Because of today, Lord, open the passage, open the truth, open, Lord, your power and your principles to us, change us today, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Turn to the book of Revelations, we're going chapter by chapter, we were actually in chapter six last week, we're going back because of the power of chapter five and look at it Again, we're studying the Lamb still stands. Would you say that with me, please? The Lamb still stands. Now, in chapter 5, starting at verse number 1, how many have your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Let's see them. Excellent. John wrote, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book. Everyone say book. Written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. How many seals? And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one, say no one, in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. John says, I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne." With the four living creatures and the elders, there was a lamb. Everyone say, lamb, standing as if slain. Isn't that puzzling? Standing, but slain. Having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, and they sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the seal out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders. They fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a brand new song saying, worthy, everyone say worthy. Worthy. More time, worthy. Worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your own blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you've made them to be a kingdom, royalty, and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth." Now, my favorite place in all the world is Israel. And my favorite place in Israel is this place, which is the Garden Tomb. I've had the privilege to go there at least six times. It's where I believe our Savior's body was placed and where he got up on that Sunday morning. And the door to that tomb, when it is closed, has the words of Scripture that the angel said to the women, he is not here, he has risen. And from this verse, when Christians would greet one another on this day in every culture for maybe 2,000 years, and one would say he has risen, the response would be? Let's say it again, he is risen. risen. One more time, a little louder, he is risen. Bless God. Bless God. Now, let me go in a kind of a crazy direction. From the time I was a little boy, I loved reading stories of great battles and cavalry charges and brawls and fights and all kind of stuff that showed courage and determination. And uh, over the years, I've been asked, Steve, if you were not the very meek and humble pastor that you are, What would you be doing for a living? And I've pondered, 
I've prayed, I've asked a thousand counselors, and this is what I would determine I would do, still might do, and that is be a professional wrestler. <laughs> I can do at least two push-ups and part of one sit-up, so I'm probably qualified. And who wouldn't want to jump from the top of a rope in a bear suit? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? So this is one of my secret fantasies. I know it's not real to you, but it's real to me. And I've just laid upon my bed at night thinking of what stage names I would adopt. You know, for the back of my cape or my beautiful red sequined jacket, it might read something like this because I believe I could still do it, you know, during the week. Limping here on Sunday. The Pastor of Pound, that's one name. What do you think? Pastor of Pound. Here's another one, the Cleric of Crush. And one of my favorites is Triple V, Triple V for Very Victorious Vicar. Doesn't sound too threatening, does it? My favorite is Preacher Boy Stevie P. Maybe I'll keep my day job after all. Now, but... When I was a boy, I loved boxing. I loved all kind of sports. And one of my heroes when I was a kid was a guy named Jack Dempsey. Only people my age would know who Jack Dempsey was. Anybody know who Jack Dempsey was? There's three of us. Thank you very much. This is Jack Dempsey. He was undisputed heavyweight champion of the world for seven long years. That's a long time to be a professional fighter and be undefeated and he was a beast of a guy 200 pounds that was a big fighter back then and his stage name was the Manasseh Mauler you don't want your daughter to date the Manasseh Mauler that's the town he grew up in Colorado and he could not be beaten during that seven year stretch I mean, the guy hit people. His fists were like hammers. He was ranked the 10th hardest puncher in the history of boxing by Ring Magazine because he just absolutely pounded his opponents into submission. You say, thank you for warming my heart on Easter Sunday. I feel so close to the Lord right now. This guy was more popular than Babe Ruth. And when he cleaned up, he was a dapper-looking gentleman. He was named Time Magazine Man of the Year. But one of his most glorious fights just reminds me of what we're studying this day. It occurred, Madison Square Garden, September 14th, 1923. And Jack Dempsey, the champ, took on this man. Luis Angel Furpo. He was called the wild bull of the pampas. He was a tough guy. He was a hard hitter too. And he outweighed Dempsey by 25 pounds. In the very first round, Furpo beat Dempsey like a drum and with one savage uppercut, that's a real photo, knocked the champion through the ropes into the area where all the sports riders were. He was out cold like a tree cut down. Game over. Champ was out cold. There were people throwing water on his face. His manager rushing to get smelling salts under his nose to see if he could wake him up. But he looked down, out, and finished. And then something amazing happened. This is a famous boxing painting from that fight. The sports writers, whom Dempsey fell into their laps slapped his face, picked him up, threw him back 
through the ropes and pushed him back into the arena. There is the photograph of Dempsey groggily climbing back through the ropes. And the fight started again. This time, the champion took over the second round and he pummeled Furpo and knocked the man from Argentine senseless. And he kept his crown and his glory and fame spread because this man had been a hobo riding the trains before he became champ. And during the Great Depression, this story gave a lot of people hope that they could get back up, that they could crawl in the ring, that they did not have to accept defeat either. Now this reminds me in a kind of a shallow way of what we just read in Revelation chapter five. It's another champion who is down, who has been pummeled, who has been counted out, opposedly defeated and gone. And yet, the fight was just beginning. Someone say, praise the Lord. How do we know the fight was just beginning? Because John saw in verse number one, he saw a scroll, everyone say scroll, in the hand of the Ancient of Days. The Almighty God, the Father, of heaven and earth who sat upon the throne. Now there's no painting that can do this justice. We will just do the best we can. You cannot paint the glory of heaven. You have to see it in person. I hope everyone's going to see it. Are you going to see heaven? Hold your hand up. Are you going to see heaven? Excellent. Now there were seven seals. How many were there? Remember the answer is always on the screen. Third grade level for all you guests. Seven seals. And we studied this last week. When you see the number seven in the Bible, it speaks of completeness. Something's perfect. Something is glorious. Something is beautiful. So this book is wrapped in a scroll with seven sections. And each section is divided by a seal that is has been its... Um, Wax that has been burned from a candle and a signet ring placed in that. Say, no one can open it unless it belongs to you. Now, the very fact that there is a scroll should make you sleep good at night because it means that there is order behind all the chaos in this world. Despite what the news stations say, despite what the newspapers say, there is a plan. Everyone say there is a plan. One more time, say there is a plan. There is a plan, and the Father has this. And we're going to do good. And we're going to be victorious. We're going to get back in the ring. And the plan is secure. Everyone say the word secure. The plan is secure. Why do we know that? That's why I love studying the Scripture. We look at every little detail as best we can because John said the scroll was in the Father's right hand. He's got it. And he's holding it tightly. And there's nothing that can get his plan out of his hand except someone very, very special. Well, what's in the scroll, Steve? Well, the scroll is God's plan for the universe. It is his plan to rectify everything that is wrong. Do we have a lot of wrong going on in the world? Would that be yes? Do we seem to have more and more wrong? Yeah. The father has a plan. He's going to rectify all the wrong. You can't fix a lot of stuff. So just stop trying. Do the best you can. Stop worrying. And he's going to remove all evil. I hope you know you are not a resistor to his plan. 
You need to be in step with his plan, not resist his plan for your life. And then the scroll is God's plan to bring his kingdom to earth and establish the wonderful, loving, beautiful, loving rule of the Son. And here's the third part of the scroll. The scroll scroll contains the broad history of what, Steve? The history of everything. The history of the world. The history of this country, because God has always been working behind the scene in our country. And here's something that might really surprise you. Are you ready? It's part of your history. You were born for a purpose. You were born to have a role to play in the kingdom. And you don't want to miss your role to play in the kingdom. Now, John saw a strong angel. What kind of angel? The scripture always understates what is evident, I think. So how strong was he? Well, he was strong enough. He was strong enough. He was strong enough to shout across all the heavenly regions and for every creature to hear what he said. That's a big voice. That's a strong voice. And here is what the super being said. Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? It is a question. Now, would you say that with me? Can we practice this together? Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? One more time. This is important. Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And the odd thing is, no one. It's very clear. John is told to write it down. There's nobody. He is the only mortal invited to watch this. Nobody in the heavenly realm. Nobody on the planet. And nobody that have left the planet. There's nobody. No one. Absolutely no one worthy no one worthy meaning no one capable meaning no one adequate meaning no one qualified that's a huge vacancy no one no one no one that could approach the throne where the ancient of days dwelled No one that could release the contents of the Father's plan. No one. Absolutely no one. And John, who was an old man when this happened, probably 92, 93, he had served, he's the only one of the 12 that didn't die a violent death. And he lived in what is today Turkey for a long time, and the church just exploded in Turkey. It became the center of Christianity because of him. And John, who has served Jesus a long time, is completely devastated. And he is weeping uncontrollably. He cannot stop. And maybe you're here today and your heart is broken. You are just devastated by something that's happened in your life. Some disappointment, some family issue, something at work, something in your health. You're just devastated. Stay tuned. There's good news. For there's no one who could solve the problem of our wickedness, our selfishness, our sin, our shame, our regret. We did it, and it's on us. No one who could stop the reign of evil on this earth. No one. It would just continue to get more evil, more evil, and more evil. And then last, 
There's no one that could rescue us from the clutches of death. If Jesus tarries, you will go to the graveside of people that you love. And for those that don't know Christ, there's no hope. Last year during COVID, it wasn't COVID related, but I did so many funerals for people that I love. I noticed I started carrying a sadness I'd never had before. It just was an accumulation of grief. I just grieved. I just hurt. I didn't even realize I was carrying this sadness. I did my mother's funeral. I did my dad's funeral. I did a lot of friends' funerals. Aren't you glad one day there'll be no more funerals? Hold your hand up. No more funerals. I hate death. I hate it. And Jesus took care of death. Today, on this day. And you may, you may be saying today, well, who's worthy or who's capable of fixing me? I can't fix me. I can't change. I can't love my wife. I can't love my kids. I can't be faithful at work. I can't get over my addictions. I can't get out of this pit called depression. Do you know how I came to Christ? Because as an 18-year-old, I realized I couldn't fix myself. And when you realize you can't fix yourself, then you're ready for a Savior to come and fix you and heal you and give you new perspective. So John is weeping uncontrollably, and one of the 24 elders the 24 most honored mortals that have ever walked this planet, the great ones in church history, one came up to this weeping apostle and put his hand on his shoulder. He probably spoke to him several times and said, just stop, John, stop, stop weeping, stop wailing. Well, how am I going to stop wailing? Here's the answer. You need to look. Turn around and look. Fix your gaze somewhere else. Look, John. Well, look at what? Look at the one who's coming. Now, this is very important. Are you ready? Pay attention. Don't daydream. The scripture is going to show us first three pictures. Why do the scriptures give us pictures, especially in the book of Revelation? A picture sometimes is worth more than a thousand of Steve's sermons. No, don't say that. <laughs> because he's trying to communicate. You see a picture, you go, oh, oh, that, that makes sense. So there's going to be three pictures coming up, then a fourth, greater picture that's coming in the following verses. So John... Take a look and see the lion, the majestic lion from the tribe of Judah is coming. In that day and time, the lion was the king of beasts, the most ferocious and dangerous animal on the planet. They would not back down. One bite could end it all for you. The old proverb, where does a 500-pound lion sleep at night? The answer is anywhere he wants to. Years ago, I was in Tanzania working with some of our missionaries, and my family was with me. And We had gone to a game park that day, which was a lot of fun, and our young African guide, we were in his Land Rover, and we had a great day. But that morning, I did in Africa what I would do in Kentucky. I wasn't very smart. I'm a dumb Kentuckian. I decide I'm going to go on a prayer walk in Africa. <laughs> and three weeks before, I had had knee surgery. So I wasn't walking. I wasn't running. I wasn't even walking really good. So I'm walking down this dirt road, praising the Lord, worshiping, having a great time, experiencing Africa, then a, a little voice spoke to my mind, and I remember that same God saying as we drove, he said, right there is where a lioness came out of the bush and chased me for a half a mile. 
Prayer time was over. <laughs> Let's go back to the place. Go back to the place. So the line of the tribe of Judah. And the second picture is the root of David. Everyone say the root of David. What do you mean the root of David? Everything has a beginning. Everything has a root. And this is the beginning of everything good. Have you had good in your life? Hold your hand up. Well, where did it come from? It's part of this story. And I want you to know this book right here tells you about the long, continuous, beautiful story of God's love for you and your place in his family. It's one long story. One long, majestic, beautiful story. It is the beginning of God's solution to mankind's problem in Bethlehem where the virgin gave birth to a one that was an answer to prayer for 3,000 years from Israel. When, O oh Lord, when will the shepherd, the savior, the deliverer come? And I want you to know every story in scripture points to the root of David. Every story Every story. Here, Abraham couldn't have a son. He prays 25 years. God gives him a promise. Seven, eight years into it, after the child is born, the Lord says, take your only son and take him to the mountain of Moriah and sacrifice him then to me. And that old man took that eight-year-old boy and walked three days. When they got to the foot of the hill, Isaac asked his daddy a hard question. You know your kids can ask hard questions. And he said, Father, I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the offering? And as they climbed that hill, with a tear down, running down his cheek, Abraham said, Son, only God, only God can supply the offering. It's all in the story. It's all in the story. And then one day this man who had been called of God when he was 40, spent 40 years in the desert, Moses. It's just a regular day. He's tending sheep. He's lost all hope. He thinks his life is over. He's missed his calling. He's missed his purpose. But one day he sees something startling, a bush that will not Stop burning. And as he approaches it, a voice says, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And he says, I have a mission for you. My people are crying out for deliver, and I will send you. And then here's two widows, Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth. They both have lost their husbands. They seemingly can't go back to Israel. And Ruth turns to her older mother-in-law and says, what are we going to do? Who's going to take care of us? Who's going to rescue us? And the older woman of faith says, there is a man in Bethlehem And he's a near relative. And he is a kinsman, redeemer. I'm believing the Father has placed him to take care of us. And then the last one I want to mention, I could mention hundreds of them. Here the cupbearer to the king of Persia, Nehemiah gets a call to go back to a land he's never seen Israel, to a city he's never been in because he's been raised in Persia and said, would you rebuild my walls because my people have to be back in their land? Would you do it? It's all part of the story. I want to show you this amazing photo. Can you guys see that? Somebody know what kind of tree that is? That is an olive tree. Unbelievably, watch. 
This tree is 3,000 years old. The people that keep this tree call it the uncrowned king of all trees. Do you see the gnarled root system that has filled the earth and come out of the earth? Can you see that? That's why the tree has lived so long because of its majestic root system. I want to say to you, every one of us, the Lord has been working in your family for generations. For generations, he's been quietly working behind the scenes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He was still there. Even when people in your family didn't even know he was there, even if your family were pagans for a long time, he was still behind the scenes working for you. Because this is a long story. This is a deep story. And what the Lord would say as we study this today to all of us, are we listening to the story? Are we paying attention? Because we are in the root story. The root of David to reach the world that starts in Genesis and goes to Revelation. We all have purpose. So don't ever say you don't have purpose. You have a great purpose. Find your purpose in God. And lastly, the Messiah, who would come from the chosen people. Remember that old man that couldn't have a son? He's in every story, the Messiah, that would come from Israel in order to bless the rest of us Gentiles so we could have heaven as our home. We have been grafted in to the root. We've been grafted in when we didn't belong. The third picture. John says he's the one that overcomes. Everyone say overcomes. Well, overcomes what? He overcomes everything. He overcomes everything. He overcomes everything. Now, John saw next the fourth picture, and he was not expecting this picture. And I'm sure it surprised him because he sees a mighty lion. He sees this root system. He sees a champ that overcomes. Then he sees something that just totally baffles him. He sees a lamb. Everyone say lamb. He sees a lamb. So the scripture says lion one time. This passage says lamb four times. And this is odd. This is what gripped me when I saw this weeks ago. I'd never seen it before. The lamb is standing but as if slain. Well, that's a paradox. If you're slain, you're down. How can you be standing if you're slain? There's two words for lamb in the New Testament. And this lamb, there's an adult sheep. This lamb is a, Arneon is a baby lamb. A tiny thing. And a young lamb contrasted with the most ferocious creature on the face of the earth at the time, the lion. This creature is the most defenseless. No fangs, no claws. Can't run away from you. Can't defend itself. Most defenseless creature. Why, why the picture? Are you paying attention? You ready? Because the all-powerful one was going to leave heaven, be born as a child, live as a man, and I love this picture, and willingly offer himself to be a sacrifice for all of our sins once and for all. When I was in high school, maybe my sophomore year, my family, we went to church, we never read the Bible, we didn't know the Bible, couldn't decipher the Bible. We called Job, Job, and Psalms, Palms. Didn't know. One, one afternoon after practice, my football coach said this. He said, I don't have no idea why he said it. He said, I haven't read the Bible in three weeks. And I went, you got, people actually read it? And I thought, well, 
if he reads the Bible, maybe I should. So I found a Bible. I found a Bible in my house. I read Genesis, loved it. I read Exodus, that was awesome. Got to Leviticus, I died. <laughs> Closed the Bible and said, oh, this is a, a book I can never decipher. And I put it down for quite a number of years. But I want to show you this. Leviticus now is one of my favorite books. Because here's the point. 35 centuries of Old Testament sacrificial system was for one reason. To help you understand the Lamb. They wanted Israel. God wanted Israel to understand what he was about and what he was doing. To make provision for his people. Over and over and over the same message. Now read this with me from Isaiah, written 600 years before the Lamb was born. Read it with me out loud. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to be slaughtered. As a sheep before it shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The dangerous one became the meek one. And here's another interesting little tidbit. The lamb is in the middle of the throne room. He's in the center of everything. And if you're struggling repeatedly with stuff in your life, you may need to ask your question, what is my real problem? And your real problem may be that Jesus is not the center of your life. He is not in the middle of your life. He's on the outside. He's on the periphery. He's in the back. He's in the side. He's not in the center. And until you make him the center of your life, nothing's going to go very well. Let's go back. The meaning of seven in Scripture is what? Completeness. We get another clue. You ready for another picture of the lamb? Another clue. This lamb has seven horns. And in the Old Testament, the horn is a symbol of great strength. And the fact that he has seven horns means he has complete power. And then he has seven eyes, which means he sees everything. He has all wisdom. Now, this is the most beautiful thing I can show you today. This is a wax seal that some artist did for a document. He's standing but as if, what? Let's say it. He's standing, but as if. Well, help me, Steve. What does that mean? It means he was dead. He was knocked out of the ring. He was unconscious. Couldn't be revived. But then he came back from the dead. That's what that means. For instance, let me just carry this thought a little further out. The Jews could absolutely accuse him. Worship team, would you guys come on out? They could absolutely accuse him, but they could not condemn him. They had no power to condemn him. The Roman army could arrest him. But they could not resist him. Christianity became the major force in the Roman Empire within several hundred years. They couldn't keep him out. The Roman governor could sentence him to death, but the Roman governor could not kill him. Well, I thought they did kill him. When Jesus would not answer the governor Pontius Pilate, he wouldn't say a word to him. Pilate said to him, do you not get this? I have the power over you. I could release you or I could have you crucified. Do you not understand that? And for the first time he spoke to Pilate. 
excuse me, you have no authority over me except what was given to you from heaven. So let me make that clear. Let me make that clear. The nails indeed could impale him, but they could not hold him. The grave could enclose him. They could seal it with a Roman seal. They could seal it with a two-ton stone. They could place guards around it for 24 hours for a week, but the grave wouldn't keep him. The grave is empty, has always been empty. And the devils could crush him. They could abuse him. They could torture him. They could gather on the hill of Golgotha like flocks of crows, but they couldn't stop him. And there's no government. There's no ism. There's no force that's going to stop him today because he came out of the grave for you. And he came out of the grave for me. And you will see the scars in his wrist. You will see the scars in his ankles. And they are there to make sure you know how much he loves you. You know, if somebody does this for you, you would think, if we could see the picture, we would go, oh, that, that, that changes everything. Let's just play this out a little bit more. If there's some kind of competition and the champion in the ring that was in front of you, you could knock him down, but he would never stay down. He just keeps getting up, getting up, getting up. That's uh, somebody you got to deal with. If you thought you could defeat him, but he never would quit. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. If this is a champion that would not die, he could take all the abuse in the world and still not succumb. If this is a champion who would never turn his back on you, who would never quit on you, who would never abandon you, oh my. I need to rethink my position. You see, Jesus is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of all obedience. Do you trust Jesus? Hold your hand up. Do you trust Jesus? I say to him almost every day, especially when I don't know what to do, Lord, I trust you. I don't like this. I don't know how to fix this, but I trust you. And I trust you more than I ever have before. And Lord, I want to obey you more than any thing else because of this. Now I want to read one more verse before we worship. Open your Bibles again. Look at this crazy verse that I read multiple times and it just didn't sink in until this week. Revelation 5 verse 12. You see, the devil is a liar. Is that true? Yes or no? If he opens his mouth, he's lying. He lies all the time. He is the father of lies. He's lied to you this week. He's probably lied to you today. He speaks to your head and says things like, you know, it's not worth serving Jesus. Serve him a little bit. Don't go all out. By the way, you know you can't trust him. He might ask you to do something crazy, something hard. You can't trust him, so keep your walls up. Don't let go. That's the devil talking. 
Are you and I ever going to trust a liar? See, if you're not listening to the voice of God, you're probably listening to an unclean spirit that's speaking to you and you think it's you. How you need to protect yourself. How you need to keep yourself. That life is about you. Life is not about you. And the scripture says the lamb came and took the book out of the hand of the one who sat on the throne. He has the deed. He's got the plan. He's going to execute the plan. Now, this is a crazy verse I want to read to you. And maybe some of you will will remember this today. Some of you will go to sleep tonight. Remember, we talked about seven. What does seven mean? Let me read as you follow verse 12. See, this worship service started among the four living creatures, the most of seraphim, the most powerful creatures ever made. Then it went to the 24 elders, the most honored mortals. Then it went to the angelic host. And then the worship exploded among those that are in heaven because of Jesus. And they all said, verse 12, with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive seven things. What are they? Power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. What's such a big deal? I want you to sleep good at night. He's got all power. And he will rule over all government and all majesty in the coming kingdom. And it's going to come to pass quicker than you can believe. So one is power. Two is riches. He holds all riches. So there are some people in this world that think they're rich. Well, the one that holds all riches has all economies in his hands. And then the one that has been given wisdom. He understands everything. He has a solution to every single problem. And then D, strength. He alone can do everything. And through Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you too. He alone has that might and power. And then fifth, he is given glory, which means he alone is the one we worship tomorrow and the next day and for the rest of our life. And then F is honor. He will be the most imitated one, the most respected one. And the last one, he's given blessing, which is relationships. You want to have a great life or you want to have a ruined life? The secret is if you'll let the Lamb of God rule your life because he's got it all. No one else. No one else but the one. I want to close our time in prayer. You may be a guest today, or maybe you've been at this church 20 years and you've never fully surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus. You may be watching online today. Maybe you just tuned in for the first time. Maybe you've been watching for months. Nothing happens until you get into that root system of the Messiah. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you know you're not right with God, if you've never given him all of your heart, if you've never been forgiven and been made a child of the living God, right where you sit, right where you watch, pray with me a simple prayer that will change your life. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I need you today. Come into my heart and be my Savior today. Be my Lord today. Forgive me of every sin and wash me clean and make me your child. Because today, I choose you. Fill me with the Spirit and use me for your glory. And I will serve you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Now during this last song, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come. There's some some of our intercessors on both sides and tell them what you've just done. If you have other needs, come, come and get prayer. The altar is open too. Let's worship. Let's stand.
out together. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing close with a word for somebody here you got to stop being lukewarm you got to stop being halfway in halfway out you got to stop riding the fence Jesus said when I see you in the next realm if you're if you've been ashamed of me I will be ashamed of you before my father there's no such thing as a closet Christian either get on fire or don't Lord, release your fire on your people. Call your people to radical obedience. Call your people to make a difference because we have a purpose and a calling in that root of David. So, Father, burn like a fire. Bring holy conviction. And, Lord, help us identify the lies of the devil because you've done everything through your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. He is risen. risen I'm sorry, he is risen. He is risen. God bless you. Serve him well. joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.